Welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. This is your host, Ken Mossman, and today I'm joined for part one of my conversation with Carlo Boss. Now, Carlo Boss is many things. He is a man of wisdom. He's a brother. He's a father, a husband. He's the co-president of the Coactive Training Institute. And in this first part, Carlo begins by sharing grateful reminiscences of his childhood in Peterborough, Ontario, including the men who most influenced him. And Carlo credits his grandfather, a United Church minister, for his love of the natural world, as well as his capacity to see the interconnectedness of things. Carlo received some amazing wisdom from his grandfather, which, as he says, he then tucked into a drawer, went out into the working world, and as so many of us have, he kind of got his butt kicked. Uh, On his bounce back in his late 20s, Carlo learned to be led. He learned to question a reliance on plans and also to trust life's unfolding. Now, as neat and tidy as all that sounds, uh, well, it ain't exactly. Uh, There's a lot to this conversation, and uh, if I do say so myself, just lovely spending time with Carlo. Uh, Before we get into the conversation, just one thing, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service, and let's listen in on this conversation between Carlo Boss and myself. Carlo Boss, welcome to Mojo for the Modern Man. Thank you, Ken. It's... um... A privilege to join the, the the growing line of men who you've uh, had on the show. <laughs> Thank you, and it's a and it's a delight to be in conversation with you. So let's start here. What was it like growing up in your part of the world? Uh, well, my part of the world um, specifically was a town called Peterborough, Ontario, which is yeah, just a couple hours northeast of. Toronto. And um, it was a pretty small townish, small city-ish, uh, I'll say typical-ish upbringing. Um, upper middle class, uh, parents were professionals. My mom following a passion for teaching young children. Uh, my dad actually <laughs> working earlier in the life cycle of human development as an obstetrician, as a doctor. Um, and, uh, you know, they'd come from two big cities, Toronto and Montreal, respectively, and decided on a smaller town community to grow up in. And, um, yeah, it was, um, it was a a pretty, you know, remarkable, stable, friend filled, nature filled childhood. Um, two brothers and the eldest of three. And, uh, you know, for the most part, we got along really well. What, what's that laugh? <laughs> I, I was just thinking, um, I was thinking actually just as I was saying that about um, the, the men we've become and, um, you know, thinking about how we're closer now, you know, in our, all in our forties, not that we weren't really close growing up, but, you know, kids, you know, two and a half years of age difference when you're five through 10 or 10 through 15 feels like a lot. Um, anyway, at this stage, you know, just our, how we've all sort of taken our way in the world and what we're all up to. I was just thinking about how close we are now. So it was a bit of a compare and contrast moment, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah. And of course, when you're uh, when you're a young kid, two and a half years of age difference, uh, 
or even 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 into adolescence two and a half uh years of age difference is a lifetime <laughs> yes 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 yeah. yes yeah yeah what you're learning in grade eight is you know so much more advanced and sophisticated than what you would ever learn in grade six as it were um, <laughs> so you know <laughs> Lots of better than, and you don't get me experiences at that age. But um, yeah, anyway, great, grateful for the family we were and the family we've become. Yeah, and I, and I'm and what as you look at your 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 formative years and um, you know, including uh, into and through your university experience and maybe even early mm. work experiences. You know, you mentioned the relationship with the between the brothers. What, mm. yeah, what what would you say were the experiences that really that shaped you? Mm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's interesting. And as I was thinking a little bit about our time together today, I was um, uh, thinking about actually a, a number of the men you know, to the theme of the podcast, a number of the men in my life and in my family that have, you know, shaped me, I'd, I'd say at the beginning of my life, a little bit more unconsciously than consciously. Um, uh, and, you know, so a, a couple of men and a couple of experiences really come to mind. Uh, and then, and then one woman specifically, and this is all sort of leading up to where I am today. I know we get there eventually, but, um, my, uh, my grandparents on both sides of my family didn't, they I certainly have have lots of memories of being with them. Um, but unlike some families, they weren't in an active day to day. I wasn't in an active day to day relationship with them. But both of my grandfathers uh, really stood out over time. One I lost when I was about 16 and then the other when I was you know in my late 20s. But um, uh, my grandfather, on my mom's side, my maternal grandfather was a United Church minister. Mm. And he helped found a congregation in, in Toronto uh, in the, you know, in the forties, in the fifties. And, um, you know, really interesting. He, he was, uh, you know, an active man of the faith. Um, my experience of him was his faith had mu as much to do with the theology and science of religion as it did with the natural world. And we spent a lot of time with them at a summer cottage that they owned. It was the only home actually they ever owned as a, as a church minister, you didn't own your home. You lived in a, a home owned by the church. So the, right. the home that my grandparents owned was on a lake. And you know, that my grandfather um, had a special connection with the natural world, you know, how he, you know, worked with wood, how he fished, how he, you know, worked the land, um, and I remember um, one of the experiences that really shaped me, this is going forward a little bit in time, was uh, it was uh, on the eve of one of my first jobs. And I was asked to take over this. I was doing a bunch of fundraising, um, as it turned out, for a, for a school at that time. And uh, I asked him what it was like. He was 25 years old when he took charge of this emerging Toronto congregation. Wow. And I asked him what it was like to build something as a 25-year-old. Um, and the congregation was full of business leaders and different kinds of professionals who were, you know, twice his age. And I was like, how did you do it? 
And he, um, as was his habit, he, he paused for a long second and, you know, simply said, I believed in myself. I believed in the community that wanted to create this collective of faith. And I believed in this higher power was calling me to do something. And, and, you know, I, I, it was one of the first moments, Ken, in my life where this prospect of, I have to do this on my own uh, was shaken uh, for the good. I was like, Oh, I'm really like, there are different levels of relationship I can count on here. And I, you know, I hadn't really been thinking that much about it. I thought I had to go and do this big campaign gig. So um, I'll never forget sitting on that back porch, realizing, you know, um, a truth of what shaped my life ever since that, you know, we're never alone. We're always yeah. in relationship with a bunch of other facets of life. Yeah. 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 I, I love that. I, I love that you're going here early, Carlo, because it's, um, <clears throat> you know, I have this ir- ir- irreverent, irreverent saying that, uh, <laughs> you know, e- e- even the lone cowboy had his horse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. it's just this idea that no, no one, you know, no man does it by himself. No one does it by themselves, but, you know, particularly no man, because we're, there's such this right. myth, this yes. pervasive, yes. yeah, which is, which is just a bloody lie. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. So, so uh, having that realization that, you know, sitting on the porch, having that realization, yeah. what did that open for you? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it opened for now, There's me. a story behind that laugh. Well, uh, yeah. So like, yeah, I'll fast forward six months again. And like it opened everything and it opened nothing. Um, it, it opened for me. Um, uh, you know, I, I think, a you know, a pocket or a drawer or a piece of my mind that held the possibility of these, you know, different facets of relationship that were, in on this, you know, this journey we each take. Um, And, you know, I I, I promptly, you know, I think went back to the job and managed to convince myself to your point about the social construct, particularly for men that, you know, you're strong, impenetrable and vulnerable, have the answers, you know, those things went back to to that methodology or approach. And, you know, um, of my own accord, promptly flunked out of the job. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, and I say of my own accord because, you know, it was, you know, I I took myself out of it, the the story of what was going on in the job and how it was going, which in my mind was failing, was more of my own making than anything else. But it was all based on, you know, this belief that, you know, in this first experience I was having, I was having to, you know, paint a masterpiece on my own. Um, in a system way bigger than something I'd ever contributed to or led. So, you know, I, I took myself out of it and I, um, uh, you know, faced, uh, faced a, a reckoning with, um, I loved how you brought up sort of this, again, this, this story of masculinity or of man that, um, you know, this was, this is how it goes. Like I was becoming the system of wow. some male belief um, that, you know, you, you, this is the role you play in the systems that have been created 
you know, um, largely economic, largely the story of, you know, being a provider of some kind. And, you know, I, I wasn't married at the time or I wasn't, you know, wasn't a dad or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I was, I was reckoning myself in this system. And, and I think honestly, Ken acknowledging this quiet voice in me that had been there for a while of, uh, you don't belong to this system as much as people think you do or say you do. Mm. And, you know, my response was always like, yeah, yeah, I can make it. I'm born of privilege. I have all these opportunities. The system looks like me. I can play like the system. I'll make it. And, you know, coming out of that job, I was like, oh my gosh, this is not for me. This so but uh, if, it, if it's not for me, I have no clue what is. I hope you're enjoying this first part of my conversation with Carlo Boss. Quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. Let's get back into it. Well, I love this. Uh, I'm really taken with the story and I'm, Im I'm imagining this younger version of you, you know, first sitting, first having that moment by the lake, you know, this, oh, this kind of magical moment right. where the, the clouds yeah. parted, the light shined and the angel sang. And then, and then, and then you taking that moment. And as you said, this, you know, opened up a pocket or a drawer or something and sticking it in the pocket or sticking it in the drawer, closing the drawer and saying, okay, now, and then, <laughs> and then just several months later having yeah. this other realization, which is like, oh, you know, uh, 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 oh my, you know, this, this might not be my bag. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and what did that open up for you? Aside from a mess of it sounds like it's out. I'm hearing in some of it, it sounds like it opened up a mess of confusion, which is like, Oh my God, you know, if I've geared myself for this and this ain't it, then what, what, yeah. what else got yeah. open for you? <laughs> uh, the world of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, yeah, you know, you know, Preach uh, it, brother. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to totally. No, it, yeah. it, it um, uh, you know, one of those. It was one of those moments in my life where I was headed um, down and up, or out and in at the same time. Um, you know, the the the. It was more than a crisis of conscience. So it was a crisis of being, of reckoning that yeah. I needed to get a bunch of help with. And um, it's interesting here in Canada, um, yesterday, January 28th, was a day called Bell Let's Talk Day, which is uh, the largest global conversation on mental health. Uh, and Bell's a national telecom provider up here. And they've been hosting this day for, I think, since 2011. And it's mm. about breaking down the stigma of mental health. And, um, you know, investing in research and, and the conversation is the key part. People being conversation about what the experience was like. And anyway, um, how that's relevant, it's timely we're talking about this today, was, um, you know, I had to really reconcile that to make the, to make my way in this journey that I, you know, I think what I was here to traverse, I was going to need a bunch of help along the way. And at that point in time, what got opened up was, you know, an introduction to some folks who could help me from the, you know, the different modalities of therapeutic support. And it became a powerful doorway personally and professionally. You know, personally, I got introduced into a new meaning of prayer, which was much actually more like a conversation with, you know, 
ideas, concepts, powers bigger than me than versus, you know, kneeling on a prayer bench and, you know, shedding my guilt. Um, and I got introduced into some uh, conversation and tools around like ancestral teachings, which I'll touch more on, but this idea of being in relationship with ancestors and looking to ancestry as a way of informing my path. And, you know, at that time I thought, you know, what I'd done well in up into the crisis was my degree had been in economics and I'd done business and all those sorts of things. And I thought that was my path because I could do it well, whether or not I enjoyed it was sort of secondary. But when I looked around my family, what I saw were teachers and healers. Mm. You know, as I mentioned, my my mom was a school teacher. My dad was a, a doctor, an obstetrician. My my uh, maternal grandfather, as I mentioned, was a United Church minister. My uh, paternal grandfather was a psychiatrist. My aunt on my mom's side was a psychiatrist. There were nurses in the family, and I was just, it was, you know, it was... <laughs> <laughs> those moments in life where I got hit by a t- a, a, the, the two by four of obviousness. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah uh, like uh, uh, Here you are surrounded by, by, by you're, sur- you're, you're surrounded by this. Yeah. It's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's everywhere. And it's like, Oh, maybe that's why I'm drawn to the kinds of work and conversations and how it, how it had made its way into, you know, the work that I had been doing. So, um, you know, so I went back to school, um, to explore becoming a therapist, you know, that and, and know, the student becomes were, the teacher. Yeah. How old were you at the time? Uh, gosh, 2000, I'm just doing the math here. Late twenties, late twenties. Okay. Late, yep. late, late twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, you know, I, I was looking at a bunch of options. Interestingly, coaching was one of the things that I looked at, but the field was still pretty new and, and the certification process didn't feel substantive enough to me. So I enrolled in one of two programs that were available in the country at the time for people who wanted to study psychology at a more advanced level, but didn't have an undergrad. I, I'd never taken a psychology course in my life. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, that just opened up a whole new track of, um, uh, when I say this, I, I think, you know, um, entering into the question of what is this human experience all about? Um, you know, I wanted to learn a lot about that for myself and wanted to be in dialogue with others to, you know, be a partner to them as they were in it. And so I you know, started down that path and, you know, I went to school, I think the first time, because it was the logical next step on the path. When I went to school for this program, Ken, um, it was almost an ethereal experience. And, you know, uh, the nuts and bolts of it were actually interesting. I had had some great financial support the first time around. I was doing this next time around on my own. Mm. And that just felt um, so perfect and irrelevant at the same time because <laughs> the subject matter and the expertise and the community I was a part of were incredibly resonant. And yeah, I, I found myself, I think, to, you know, that story about my, grandfather and sitting on the porch, I found myself actually in the quality of conversation with other and community that he spoke about on that day. And, you know, this is five years later, four years later from when that conversation took place. 
So, so metaphorically speaking, the, 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 the drawer opened up, you pulled the thing out of the drawer that had opened that, you know, that had had the, the clouds part and the angel saying, and now you're, now you're right. in the, the, the you'd appreciate world. that reference. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. Say that again. My, 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 my minister grandfather would appreciate that reference. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, he'd, shake, he'd shake his head and he'd say, Oh, Ken, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> With a twinkle in his eye, you knew he knew, but he would never reveal it to you. You'd have well, right, 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 right. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, sorry. I was, so open the drawer. Yeah, open the drawer. And, yeah, know. pulling this thing out and really stepping into, stepping into that world that that your 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 grandfather was actually sharing with you, mm -hmm. describing. Mm -hmm. You know his version of it for sure. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, um, boy, there's so many different directions to go in here. And, um, yeah. So, uh, so, so say a little bit more about the experience of the, uh, uh of following this, you know, this course of study. Mm. Um, you know, I, uh, I think what stands out most Ken is, uh, how, <laughs> Yeah, I worked with a client once and one of his expressions was, um, he's like, he said, it's time to swim upstream. You know, he, he worked downtown in Toronto and, you know, there's, there'd be a migration every morning as in every big city of people like, you know, like salmon swimming downstream to, to work and jobs and all those sorts of things. And he was looking to make a change and he's like, it's time for me to swim upstream. Mm. And that's what the experience was like for me you know, in the, in this field of study, I was, you know, I'm back at school. I'm in my late twenties, not an unusual experience. Again, a pretty privileged experience to be able to have, Right. but uh, you know, my contemporaries and my peers, you know, they're traveling in a, they're traveling a different direction in the stream. They're, um, you know, eight years into careers and, you know, with having families and those sorts of things. And, you know, I'm, I'm in my, own sort of world that's in parallel to them still hanging out with them, but actually beginning to cultivate a new path that, you know, I'm not able to say to anybody when they ask like, Oh, you're back in school. Great. What are you going to become? Or what are you going to do? And my answer was, I, I don't know. All I know is what I'm doing right now is actually is very in line. Um, it, it fits right. And it feels right. And, um, I know there are some options ahead, but I think it was it was also a period of time, Ken, which is true to this day, where I started to trust more of the unfolding of life than the planning of life. Um, and I, you know, bless my mom who passed away a year ago. She was a master planner, and I appreciated and inherited that skill set. And, um, uh and it had run its course for me, or at least was out of balance. It felt sort of out of balance, like, you know, all the next steps were going to be planned and that wasn't working anymore. So this period of time, it felt like I was just each day turning another page of this book and feeling into what was happening and what was emerging. And, you know, amazingly, great opportunities kept presenting themselves. And I... um I learned to I learned to be led. Uh, 
Not I, I by a, a person yeah, per, I, per se, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're answering the question I'm about to ask you because part a big piece of what I'm hearing here is that you learned to, there was something that you learned to trust more than one something I would assert more than one something that you learned to trust. What, yeah. What do you see there? Mm. Um, there's, um, trust for sure. And I, what I put alongside that is listen. Um, you know, no, as, as, an, as yeah, 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 as what I'm saying, it's, it's sort of like, um, Um, I'd, uh, you know, up until, you know, that point in my life, I'll categorize that period of time as a point in my life. Um, it had been, uh, you know, really, how do I explain this? Like, a, like an intellectual exercise of following a path, you know, creating, mm -hmm. cultivating, following a path. Mm -hmm. Um, that path didn't work out. I hit a roadblock. I think, you know, some higher part of me took me out of that job that I mentioned earlier. And I learned to actually listen to facets of myself, facets of my ancestry or my history, and to the world around me in a way that actually helped me understand that it wasn't, this wasn't a linear journey. Um, and that if I paid attention enough and listened and then trusted myself, um, and you know, the circumstances of the unfolding enough to definitively take some steps, one step at a time, that opportunities, uh, people, occasions would present themselves to me that would help me discover my life's work and my contribution and eventually my wife. And it would help me discover those things as opposed to trying to pinpoint plan them all. So, you know, I, I ended up trusting uh, my relationship to myself more and, you know, various facets of me as, as opposed to the facet that was the social construct for men facet. Thank you so much for joining me, Ken Mossman, and my guest, Carlo Boss, for this first half of our conversation. We'll be back next week with the second part in which we open with Carlo drawing a key distinction between being led by intellect versus his wisdom. And there's a lot more to it. Just a quick reminder, if you have not yet, please do subscribe to Mojo for the Modern Man on your favorite podcasting service. And check the program notes for some links to uh, Carlo's LinkedIn profile, as well as other goodies. And uh, please do visit my website, Cirrus Leadership, Cirrus as in the cloud, C-I-R-R-U-S leadership.com. You'll see a free gift there. There's also a place where you can sign up for my weekly writings. Uh, there's also information about classes and a bunch of other things to be found. And including, by the way, every episode of Mojo for the Modern Man. And with that, have a great week. Be well and take care.